0: We're so glad that you're here as we kick off uh, this brand new series called Marriage Hacks. And I was thinking about, uh, you know, the series, just thinking about uh, Tara and I's relationship. We'll be married 15 years this year. And uh, it's just, you know, uh, it all really began at the Minnesota State Fair. Uh, Anybody love the Minnesota State Fair? Well, I was actually there. Uh, I had known Tara for a little while, and I kind of had a crush on her. But my, my aunt, being the good aunt she is, she set me up on a blind date. And so I am at the Minnesota State Fair, and I'm meeting a girl that I've never met before, never seen before for the very first time. And I meet her, I don't know where, at the Prano Pup Stand or something. And so her and I are kind of walking around and just starting to get to know each other. And after about 15 or 20 minutes, I have this thought that, "Mm, just not sure the connection is there. And just about the time I had that thought, who do I run into but Tara and some of my other friends? And so I'm like, hey what's up, how are you doing, you know, and so I introduced this girl to Tara, introduced her to my friends, and so we all just start walking together down the fairgrounds, and uh, you know, we're walking, we're talking, we're laughing, and pretty soon I realize that it's just Tara and I, and my date is nowhere to be seen. In fact, I never saw her again after that moment, uh, And that is how Tara and I really hit it off over the state fair. And so we just continued the date together, right? And so I know you're probably thinking, wow, you're a horrible person. Uh, But easy on the judgment. I've still still got about 30 minutes to prove that to you. So just hang with us. But that's how it all started uh, for Tara and I. And I think, you know, love is a funny thing. I think relationships is a funny thing. And for a lot of people, they say that, you know, that you can fall in love, that you can fall out of love. And today I want to talk to you about how, why I don't think that's the case at all. I don't believe you fall in love. I don't believe that you fall out of love. It's actually something quite different. And I want to give you one marriage hack today that will take care of the number one threat to your relationship the number one threat to your marriage, and it may not be what you think it is. And so right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes if you want to go ahead and grab those out. We love to do fill-in-the-blanks here at Riverway. It's something you can take with you. If you haven't downloaded our app yet, you can download the app and take notes right on there as well. Well, as we get started today, I wanted you to think back to your very first cell phone. Do Do you remember your very first cell phone? Now, I want to be careful here because for some of you, this is going to, date you, and age you quite quickly. Uh, But the first one was this Motorola bag phone. Do you remember this one? Do you remember that? That was the first phone. And when I look at that, I think like you're ready to launch nuclear missiles. You know, it's like punch in the code, you know. I I just kind of think of that. And, and, And truth is, I think, I'm pretty sure they gave away a pair of MC Hammer pants with every purchase of one of those way back. How many of you remember that phone? Do you remember that? Careful, to rate Some are like, ah, kind of, I don't want to date myself. Uh, and then technology improved and some of you remember the Motorola Dynatac. This is the next phone. Uh, and this was better known as the Zach Morris phone. Do you remember that? The Zach Morris phone, and then came along the Motorola StarTAC. This was the first flip phone. How many of you remember this? Some of you, I mean, I think this is one of my first cell phones. Maybe you remember that. First cell phone, you had the flip, and then you had to pull up the antenna. Do you remember that? And I don't think the antenna did anything but just break, so you'd have to buy a new one. <laughs> I don't think it did anything. Uh, but then there was the crack I mean the blackberry, and this this was the first phone where we really kind of got pulled in didn 't we? It, it kind of became an addictive thing for us. It was like, "Oh, look at how many things it does you know and i don 't have to text five times on the same number for one letter. I mean this is so cool. Technology just kept moving forward, and then it really led us to god 's favorite phone, the iphone and The iPhone, I'm telling you what, this was the greatest thing. I mean, when I think of a few things that if they were never invented, I'd really regret. iPhones were one of them. I love my iPhone. But here's the problem. You started out with the five, and then the six came along, right? And then the seven, you're like, I got to have the seven. And then they did something so amazing. They did seven plus, you know? It was just bigger we're like, I got to get the 7+. plus. I know I have the 7, but I got to get the plus. And then came out the 8, and then shortly after was the 8+. And you thought, well, I got to get the 8+. plus. And then I don't even know what happened to 9. They just went right to 10. And all of us, I mean, we're like, I have to have the 10 because it has facial recognition, you know? I mean, my thumb gets so tired having to put it on the button. You know, I, I got to have the facial recognition. And so we bought it, and we did it. And the thing about these phones is that, you know, they were always pinging at us. We weren't used to that. Ping, you got a text. Ping, you got an email. Ping, you got a notification. Ping, pay attention to me. Ping, pay attention to me. And that's what we did. And over time, we simply became addicted to our phones, right? And here's how I know you're addicted. Because two weeks ago, I left mine at home, and I was like halfway to work. And you know what I did? I did what you did. I turned right around. I didn't care if it was going to take me extra time. I went back home and got my phone. Why? I can't live without my phone. I mean, it's just connected to us. Have you ever not known where your phone is for a while and you just feel a little naked? You're like, what is going on? I got to have the phone. I mean, we have become kind of addicted, but we love those new models, don't we? And this is really where this whole cell phone idea and relationships come together. Because when you were dating somebody, you were looking for the new model, weren't you? You were trying to figure out, oh, I like this, you know, these few things about this person, but, you know, maybe I'll do an upgrade. And, oh, I kind of like this, these things about him or her. You know, and we're kind of, everything was explosive and it was exciting. I mean, there was sizzle in the dating relationship. And, uh, you know, when you're, you know, with someone, just, everything's amazing, right? Everything's so awesome. I mean, the way she walks is so cute, and the way he talks is so sexy, and he is so funny. Oh, my gosh, he's so funny. And to that, I would just say, there was a point in time that my wife, too, thought I was funny, and... Time has just erased that, right? Uh, She no longer finds me as funny. Um, I still do. I still think I'm funny, and she doesn't laugh as often. Um, But time changes things. You know, when you're dating, and you get married, and the days turn into months, the months turn into years, and pretty soon for some of us, the years begin to turn into decades. And I think somewhere down deep, as relationship goes, there is this temptation that comes along. And you ask yourself, maybe I just need... An upgrade. Maybe I need a a relational upgrade. I need a new spouse. I need someone that will do this or stop doing that. And the Apostle Paul, uh, one of the early church leaders, uh, gave us this idea and this picture of what marriage truly is. And he's actually quoting Jesus in Ephesians 5.31, and he says this. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife And the two are united into one. The two are united into one. And for those of you that have been married, uh, you remember what that day was like. You were so excited. The excitement was at an all-time high for the two to become one. And yet, maybe just years later, we're tempted to split back into two. What God has brought together and joined together, we're we're tempted to split back into two. Now, here's what I know. I have done so many weddings in my lifetime that I I can't even remember. I don't even know how many I've done. But here's what I know. Every single couple that I have married always thought that they were the exception to the rule. That there won't be any major problems. That they really won't fight that much. That they're just so in love and everything's so great that that's just how it will be forever right? You didn't go to your wedding ceremony. Nobody goes to their wedding ceremony saying, hey, I just hope I can make it a few years and get out of here with the dining room set, right? I mean, nobody's thinking that. Everybody's thinking long haul, long term, right? I mean, our goal, come on. We know this. If you're married or in relationship, every one of our goals is to make it to the nursing home together, right? Hand in hand, walking to dinner at three o'clock in the afternoon. Right? taking hits off of each other's oxygen tanks. I mean, we, we just think that would be awesome if we could make it to that point. And the first day of marriage starts out with big promises, and then after that ceremony, we spend the next 50 years trying to live up to what we promised in those first 30 seconds. It's incredibly difficult. But here's the problem that many people run into, and it's the 1st filling on your notes. That we go into marriage with the best intentions of being in love, yet we fail to do the hard work necessary to stay in love. We go into marriage with the best intentions hey, this is gonna last forever, it's gonna be simple, we have a great love, but over time, we fail to do the hard work that is necessary in every single relationship, mine included, to stay in love. It's work. And anyone who's been married for a couple years can tell you that it's not, not easy to do. It is difficult to, to stay close to someone over the course of many years. And, it's, and the reason why is something that maybe none of us have ever thought of before. You see, the single biggest threat to every relationship, yours and mine included, is not what you might think. The biggest threat is not infidelity It's not financial pressure. It's not dishonesty or arguments. It's not even being married to a Bears or a Packers fan, believe it or not. The biggest threat is much different and much more subtle. And it's the next fill in your notes. The biggest threat to any relationship is drift. The biggest threat to any relationship is drift. Uh, Several, many, many years ago, uh, we were going to take our staff pastors and wives out on Lake Minnetonka. And my family has a boat. And so, you know, I'd taken the boat out. And and we told everyone, we want you to meet at this one specific dock. We'll, we'll pick you up. And so, Jer and I had gone and we dropped the boat in the water, you know, where you need to and all that. And so, we're driving around Lake Minnetonka. I'd never been on Lake Minnetonka before. And a couple of thoughts. Number one, it's a very large lake. Uh, number two, there's like these buoys everywhere. And I'm not exactly sure what they mean. I just know, kind of stay away from the buoys, right? And so, we're, we're driving in the boat, and you know, we're cruising 20, 25 miles an hour, and we kind of made this left turn, and we had two options. There was this little narrow channel that was a little quicker route, and we could actually see the docks in the distance, or you had to kind of go around this island to a much wider part in the lake. And so I just thought, I mean, come on, you want, the, you want the quickest route. And so I turned towards this little channel, and I see some buoys, but I don't know what they mean. And I'm thinking, just stay away from the shore, whatever. And so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm driving through it, and all of a sudden it just feels a little eerie. You ever have those moments, right, where you just, uh, I don't know if something's not right or what. And I, so I told Jerry, I said, get on the front of the boat and just kind of watch and just look. And so he's over there looking, and all of a sudden he's like, dude, it's getting really shallow. Dude, really shallow, really shallow. And so I panicked. And and the only thing I thought to do was like gun it as fast as I could. Because I thought, I don't want to get stuck. And I figure if if we're going to like hit some bottom, we'll just get right through, right? And so I gun it. The boat kind of comes up and we hear the most God awful scraping sound ever, right? And we get through it to the other side and I stop the boat and we're just like, we both have this oh crap look on our face like what just happened? And like, we're just kind of waiting. And I'm like, are we sinking? Are we, like, is there a hole in the bottom of the boat? Are we sinking? And it seemed like we weren't. And so then I pulled up the propeller and every single one of my blades was gone, shot. And I'm like, oh, no. And so, you know, I'm like, we got to get to the dock. And I'm like, let's just, we just got to pretend nothing happened and let's go. So I try to go well, nothing is going. I mean, I have it full blast. Full blast. The, the engine's like, wha and we are going this slow. <laughs> and we finally get to the dock. And the ladies get on board, and, and, and a couple other guys, and, and I'm like, I'm still looking. Are we sinking? Are we sinking? Are we okay? And, and it seemed like we weren't, so we're like, let's tool around the lake. And so we start tooling around the lake, <laughs> and my wife, she's like, what is that awful sound? I'm like, I don't know. So, and you know. so we finally had to tell them what happened, and they saw it, and they're like, you know, horrified, and how could you, and you know, all this jazz. And so... You know, after a while, it just became obvious that we were not going to get anywhere fast, and so we decided that we were going. Back. We had to go back. The sun was starting to go down, and my fear became that if the sun goes down, and I am in Minneton- on Lake Minnetonka, and I don't know how to get back to wherever we dropped our car and all that jazz, I mean, we are going to be adrift, and I mean, maybe for days. I don't know. We are going to have to live out on Lake Minnetonka, and so we rushed back, and by rushing— we rush back to the dock. We drop everybody off, and I'm trying to get back, and I said, dude, I don't remember which channel because there's so many channels, and he's like, I'll pull up Google Maps, you know, which is helpful if you're on streets. It is not so helpful when it shows you you're in the middle of a lake. <laughs> it's like, where do we go? And so we're trying to remember, and, and I'm not kidding. The sun was going down so quick. I mean, there was just a sliver of light on the horizon. and We finally made it back, and I was so nervous. I thought we were going to be adrift forever. And then, of course, a couple hundred dollars later to fix the prop and all that jazz. It was a fun time. Let me tell you, you should do that sometime. Uh, but I've learned, I've learned to pay attention to the buoys, right? Because without that, I mean, man, if I had paid attention to those, it wouldn't have happened. And for many of us, this whole idea of drift is happening in our relationships. And for many of us, we don't even realize it. Because drift begins to happen when the stress of life and the busyness of life and daily routines slowly begin to take us in different directions. And drift is what causes our relationships to get off course. It's what happens when we're not paying attention or we stop being intentional about our relationship. And the reason that drift is so dangerous is because by the time we realize it's happened, for many of us, it's too late. We've grown so far apart that we wonder how will we ever get back where we used to be. It's so important. You see, here's the thing about drift, and you know this. It's your next feeling. That drift in relationship requires no effort. And without effort, relationships deteriorate. Right, when I was sitting in that boat and sticking that boat in neutral, and we were drifting, it required no effort but we never stayed in the same spot. You see, it's the same thing in our relationships. Just because we think that maybe our relationship is in neutral, we have to understand that drift does not allow neutral to exist. We're always going backwards if we're not going forwards. There is no such thing as neutral in our relationships. And that's why I think you hear people say, well, you know, I just feel like we fell out of love. Or we just, you know, our relationship is different. Or he's not the same as that he used to be. Or she's not the same as she used to be. And to that, I would just say it's not true. You know, you didn't fall out. I mean, listen, people fall out of bunk beds. They don't fall out of love, right? I mean, there's a big difference. One is on accident. One isn't paying attention, right? Nobody fell in love, right? It wasn't like this magic potion that came over you and just you met someone and suddenly you were just in love. No, 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 no. What, how your relationship started when you were falling in love, whatever you want to call it, it happened because you were doing things very intentionally in your relationship. I mean, think back to that time, right? When you were first dating, when you were saying, "Ma'am, this is the person I want to marry, you made the time, didn't you, to be together, I mean, that was kind of priority one in the calendar. And, and I'll get off of work early, or you go in later, we'll figure something out, or we're going to cancel everything with our friends. I mean, we're going to make time for this relationship because I like you and you like me. And you do things really intentionally, like listening over cups of coffee, staring longingly into each other's eyes. Learning about each other and you did the flowers and the cute little notes you'd leave each other and the chocolates and I mean you were I mean you it was just so great back then but it was great because you were intentional you did things on purpose to build that love between you And when you get married and you fast forward years and demanding jobs and kids in the mix, it is so easy to let the stress and responsibilities of life cause us to drift. We drift. And the longer that we allow drift to happen, without noticing it or without doing anything about it, the further we become separated from each other and the more work it takes to get back to where we were. The more work it takes to get back connected. And I think ultimately, we want to be moving in the same direction from our spouse, not in different directions, not drifting, but closely connected. And so over the next four weeks, I'm going to give you a hack each week that will help you in your relationship. Whether you're dating, you're married, or you want to be, I promise you that as you begin to think some of these things through and begin to apply them to your relationship, it really will help. Because here's the good news. Even if you've drifted, And even in this moment in your relationship, if you were to take inventory and say, man, we are further apart than I even realized, it's not too late. It's not too late. That if you will do some intentional things, you can become closer than you've ever been. And so hack number one today. Here it is, right on your notes. To avoid the drift, you must add intention to your connection. In order to avoid drift you have to add intention to your connection. And here's a great question to ask yourself, and you're in church, so you shouldn't lie. Um, ask this to yourself. Am I putting the same effort into our relationship as I did when we were first dating? Am I putting in the same effort when we were first married? Or if I were to go back a time in our marriage then we were the closest in our relationship, am I now putting the same intention and the same effort into our relationship? Relationship. It made me think of uh, one of my son's favorite toys. He loves this little farm, right? And he has Avengers that are the farmers and and they like to play in the farm. And so I I was thinking about farming and, and it got me to thinking about the things that farmers plant, right? That it really all is about a seed that grows out of the ground. And so as a farmer, they go out in the field, probably not like this, but you know, just work with me here. How many of you grew up on a farm or around a farm? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, you guys are city folk. All right, a couple. You know, that if the farmer goes out and he begins to plant some corn, what do you get out of the ground? Thank you, one person. All right, it wasn't a trick question, folks. Let me come over to this side. Thank you. If you plant cucumbers, guess what you get? Hey, there we go. If you plant watermelons, guess what you're getting? And if you plant nothing, what do you get? You see, I thought that was true. yeah. Some of you are right. I thought the answer was nothing, that if you plant nothing, you get nothing. But the truth is, you get weeds. If you plant nothing, you get weeds. And there are some of you in your relationship that you've planted good seeds and you're reaping it. Your relationship is strong, it's good because you planted the right things. You've been intentional about your relationship to plant the right things and you're reaping it. But there are others of us that we have planted nothing. Nothing. And it's why you've woken up and looked at your relationship and thought, we are in the weeds. How did we get here? It seemed to happen so slowly, but so on purpose, that in relationships it's the same thing, that when you plant something good and intentional, you're going to reap something good from that. if you, however, neglect it and plant nothing, Soon you'll have a relationship full of weeds. And so your next fill-in, what you pour into your relationship will be a direct result of what you get out of it. It will be a direct result. Nobody gets divorced overnight. Nobody just wakes up one day and says, hey, we're getting divorced. No, no, no. It has been a series of intentional or unintentional choices that led you to that place. Because what you pour into your relationship will be a direct result of what you get out of it. And that's why many people say, oh, Ryan, I mean, the grass just seems greener on the other side. Maybe I should just hop the fence and, you know, just start dating them. You know, maybe I need an upgrade. I mean, oh, come on, we know this is true. That for the person at work that you have your eye on, for the neighbor, for the friend that used to be in high school and now your friend's on Facebook and you've reconnected after 20 years. You're not seeing their bedhead. You're not seeing their smelling their stanky breath. You're not seeing them at their worst, right? You're seeing the highlight of their life, and it makes you think, if I just cross over, if I just get an upgrade, that somehow the grass will be greener. But you and I know, both know this, that the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greenest where you water it. What are you doing to be intentional to water what is right in front of you? To say, I'm going to be intentional right here. To add intention to our connection. And so this morning, I want to give you two really practical ways that you can add intention to your connection in your relationship. And the first one is this. You must have face-to-face time. Which means that you are engaging in conversation and staying interested in each other. You must have face to face time. Sitting across from each other, having these ongoing conversations. And believe it or not, men, this is, I think, the women's preferred option. They love to talk, right? And, and for guys, I mean, truth be told, we're kind of like high level, just give me the headline, just, you know, 10,000-foot view, how was your day? Just give me the 10,000-foot view. And for a lot of women, not all, but a lot of women, they like the details, right? So they start out with, well, I hit the snooze button this morning, and then I got out of bed, put my slippers on, right? And we just kind of go through, right? Women love the details. And here's the deal. And for guys, I mean, especially, we have to, I think, lean into this. Because regardless of our preference, And how this happens, it's not a business acquisition. This is a living, breathing relationship that we've got to engage in emotionally and in conversation with one another. And I always get a little sad when when Tara and I go out to eat and, and usually there's at least one couple in the restaurant alone, both of them on their phones, literally not saying a word to each other. And I just think, man, you're missing out on an ingredient That is so important. That face-to-face time. The emotion of that engagement. Discovering new things. Talking about life. Our dreams. Our hopes. All of those things are so important. I mean, it just takes you being interested in each other for the journey. For the whole journey that we're on together. And we're all different. I know we're going to connect in different ways. And that's why I love what King David wrote in Psalms 139. And he says, God, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. I mean, each one of us, we're one of a kind. We're complex or unique individuals. And as an individual that will keep changing throughout life, it's so important that we learn to grow together and change together. And we do that by having face-to-face time, by adding intention to our connection. Otherwise, the drift slowly happens, and we change into people that soon we don't recognize. Face-to-face is so important. The second real practical thing that you can do is that you must have side-by-side time, which means that you're actively doing things together. You've got to have side-by-side time. And truth be told, I can't speak for all men, but for a lot of us men, this is our preference. We want to do things together. You know, and and to be honest, you'll probably find out more about us when we're doing this whole, like, side-by-side thing. You know, whether it's going on a walk together, playing a board game, going to see a movie, play sport together, go grocery shopping together, exercise together, go on regular dates. It's so important. And it's amazing to... It's amazing how quick you can feel disconnected in the busyness of life, in the routine, in the mundane days because not everything's gonna be fireworks and not everything's gonna be Christmas morning. There's a lot of this that we're just going through the daily routines. And that's why I love what King Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 9.9. He says, relish life with the spouse you love each and every day of your precarious life. For each day is God's gift. And, and I, I love that phrase, relish life. Relish it with each other. Right, Solomon's not saying that your life is, has to be boring or meaningless or anything like that. But in the routine of everyday life, when it seems meaningless, still enjoy the journey with your spouse. Relish life. And here's the thing that you and I both know, and, and for some of us, we've learned this the hard way, and it's your next filling. That in order to have quality face-to-face and side-by-side time, you must plan for it. Let's all say that together. You must plan for it. Come on, say it again. You must plan for it. You've got to plan for it. You've got to get your calendars out, and you've got to set up some date nights. Because in Tara and I had to do this several, many years ago. We realized that adding kids and just the busyness of life one of the things that was most important to us, our relationship wasn't taking priority over some of the other things that weren't as as high of a priority. And it can happen so easy, and, and pretty soon, you know, you go a couple months and you haven't spent any time together. And that's why when you look back on the early parts of your relationship, you say, oh, I wish we could just go back to those days. I wish we'd go back to when we were first dating or first married or when life was simpler. And it wasn't that your love was that much different. Back then, you were just so much more intentional about it. And maybe you had more capacity and more time to be intentional. But at the end of the day, if you want good face-to-face and side-by-side time, you've got to plan it. And so for us, I mean, I wish we could go out every single week alone. But, you know, babysitters are expensive. Going out is expensive. And so for us, it's once a month. That's our minimum. Once a month, we've got to go out alone. We've got to have face-to-face time. We've got to reconnect. We've got to have side-by-side time. And so we plan several months in advance. Here's date night. Here's date night. Here's date night. And we do our very best to guard it and protect it. Because it's so important to make that a priority. And I would ask men, take the lead on this. Don't wait for your wife to bring it up. You begin to set the dates. You begin to write them on the calendar say we're going out. We're going to add intention to our connection. Because, your next villain, come on, you know this. If you want what you once had, you must do what you once did. If you want what you once had, as you've heard maybe yourself or friends say, I just wish we could go back. You've got to do what's, what you once did and do that. We'd all say, duh, right? I mean, it's so easy in theory, but difficult to live out, to remind yourself of it. And so plan a surprise date. Come on, make it exciting. Do something. You know, drop a card. Do, do these kinds of things. I mean, Tara hates surprises, so I try to do them once in a while, right? I just, I, I just want to. I want her to feel like, you know, I'm, I'm invested here. And here's the other thing about this whole idea of good intentions, your next villain, is that good intentions must turn into actions. I can't tell you how many times I thought of giving her a card, not on Valentine's Day, not on her birthday, right, just to give her a card to say, I'm thinking about you and I love you. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about doing it and not done it. What is that? It's good intentions that never lead to actions. Maybe you've heard this quote, that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And maybe that could sum up your relationship, right? I mean, we are like in a bad spot. We're on our way like, to hell in our relationship because we've had good intentions, but our actions haven't followed through. So if you think of something nice to say, say it. If you think of something fun to do, do it, right? Make it intentional. And it's really simply face-to-face and side-by-side. It's really about hanging out with each other and rediscovering that friendship that maybe you've drifted apart from, that you've lost over the years. Reignite that friendship, and I promise you, you'll begin to see a difference in your relationship. Uh, Shanti field uh, she surveyed 1,000 couples, and she discovered this. She said this, that 90% of the happiest couples say that spending time together is the biggest reason for their happiness. Doing home projects, I'm not sure that I'd agree with that one. uh, Taking evening walks, going to kids' sporting events, watching TV, even going grocery shopping together, right? It all makes a difference. In other words, it's not what you do that's important. It's that you are doing something together. And so let me ask you a question. How are you doing at being intentional in being together? right, and it's give and take, right? Sometimes I'll say, honey, I will go grocery shopping with you if you'll watch football with me five times a week right? That seems like an even fair trade-off, right? One grocery shopping trip, because that's stressful. And like five times watching football together. And speaking of, guys, I'm so depressed about football being done. I'm just sad. Joy's gone out of my life. I don't know, I just feel like I gotta wait eight more months for football to start again. It's sad. Anyway, all right, I just wanted to say that. I don't know why I just wanted to say that. Every couple's different, I get it. And you're gonna connect in different ways and I don't don't wanna give you that big of a formula. But here's what I would say to you and here's my challenge, that if in the last few months you can't point back to something you guys did together, you might be drifting. And I want for you so bad to be intentional about your connection because there's probably not a bigger battleground that you or I will ever face than our marriages. There's so much riding on it. And if you have kids, so much invested. So much riding on the future of us figuring this out. And I know you want to make it to the end. I know you want to have the 50th anniversary. I know you do, because I want that. But it doesn't happen on accident. Only when you become Intentional to connect. Ephesians 5.1 as we wrap this up. Paul said, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. This word walk infers action. Actively love each other. Don't put it in neutral. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God just as, the way he laid down his life. He put us first. He was intentional about why he came. I mean, what a powerful picture of a marriage relationship. And that's why I'd say as we close your last feeling that being in love is not a feeling, but rather a result of making the choice to pursue one another continually. And that word result, I just want you to circle it real big. Just circle that word result. Being in love it's not a feeling it is the result if you want to be in love here's how you get that result by making the choice to pursue one another continually you see we can't stop the pursuit of each other what other part of your life can you neglect and see improvement can you neglect your body no I mean I dream of a pizza ice cream diet only like I dream of that (sighs) not going to see improvement Can I neglect the finances? No. My kids? No. The laundry? I mean, your job? Can you neglect your job and it would see improvement? No. I mean, the only thing that would be improving is your resume. I mean, that's about it. You'd be looking for new jobs. So why do we think that we can neglect our marriage relationship and see improvement? It will never happen. Rather, as we get ready to close, hack number one, in order to avoid the drift, you must add intention to your connection. You must add intention to your connection. So will you be intentional to add some face-to-face time? Will you be intentional to do some side-by-side time? So I'd like to pray if we could, if you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes all over this room. And here at Riverway we always like to take 30 seconds at the end to just talk to God and let God talk to us. And um, Just maybe in your spot, maybe as we've been talking today, maybe something has been happening in your heart. Maybe it's a commitment you need to make. Maybe it's a heart change. Maybe it's leaning in and giving this another shot. I don't know what it is for you. But between you and God for 30 seconds, let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we readily admit that relationships are hard work. There's so many times that we fail and fall and mess up, but God, I thank you that your grace picks us up every time. And that your heart and that your intention for us is that we would become the kind of people that grow old in the end of our marriage commitment. And so would you help us this week specifically to add intention to our connection. And awaken our hearts. If we we have lost some of that desire, some of that passion, I pray that you would awaken us and do something in us that hasn't been done in a long time. Because there's so much at stake, God. We gotta get this right. Help us, I pray. In the coming days when the temptation is to keep it in neutral, when the temptation is to walk away, would you put a fire and desire in us to keep adding that intention to our connection. I pray a blessing over every relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we want to do one more thing that's super intentional. um, And we want to offer this really cool book that I came across called Five Dates. And today, after service and the weeks that follow, we have limited copies. um, But I love it. It's, It's a book for her and a book for him. And it has some things that you have to fill out ahead of time. But then for five dates, you take these with you. And you begin to walk through and it's it's all about reconnecting in relationship. And I love underneath this, it says, don't work on your problems, work on your togetherness. So important in any relationship. So I would encourage you, it's 20 bucks for both of them. One pack, two books, 20 bucks. Maybe one of the best investments you've made in your relationship in a while. So I'm going to ask you to get one of these, get a pack of these. We're losing money on these, but it's our way of investing in you. We want to say, hey, we want to help you build that connection. Tara and I are going to do this. Our staff's going to do this. We believe in being really intentional when it comes to being together. So these five date books.